This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Good morning and welcome to our church. We have a gift for our visitors at the Connection site. Please fill out your friendship card for any prayers or concern, or just so we can get to know you. It's, it's fun to be, be part of the welcoming committee here at Hamilton Center. And we are so glad to have you with us this morning. The clipboard opportunities for ministry we're sending around, there's, there's really three of them, okay? One of them is for our Seneca Street Ministries, and there's one of those in each section. But the other one is for communion, if you want to bring the communion elements and one is for bulletins and flowers, and one is starting on that side and the other's on that side. So if you see the communion bulletins and flowers one, keep passing them around so that we can try and get them through the whole church. We can't send around four of those, because then we get like four times as much elements on one Sunday as we need, Jafal? Okay. I just also wanted to mention that most of our, our programs are going to begin this week or over the next couple of weeks. So take a look at your little good news, especially if you want to have dinner or something on a Wednesday night, you can call the office. Breakfast, I believe, starts this morning. And it does? Yes, okay, breakfast starts this morning. And another thing, if you are a teenager, sixth grade and up, or no one, or have one, or whatever it may be, we are starting confirmation this afternoon, around 12.45. If you'd like to know more about that, you can talk to Pastor Sherry or myself. Let's take a moment for a word of prayer. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings you send to us, and we pray now that you'd pour your Holy Spirit into us, that in everything we are and all that we do, we might honor you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we're going to sing together, Make Me a Captive Lord.
Lord be with you. Take a moment, if you will, and greet your neighbor with the peace of the Spirit. I'd like to invite the kids to come up now. Any children want to come up? They're welcome to join me. Here comes some. Any other kids want to come up? Come on up. Have you guys ever seen these books in the church? Yeah, they're out in the seats in the pews. Do you know what they're called? What are they called? Well, they look like Bibles, don't they? But they're not. They're something else. They're called a, a... That's exactly what they are. There's songs in them that you can read if you forget them. They're called hymnals because they have hymns in them. And hymns are, are religious songs. There's all kinds of songs through there. You can even read the music and stuff if, if you know how to read music. This one and this one are the same except for two things. One is the color. One's blue, right? We know that. What else is different about these two? Can you see it? What do you see? Yeah, do you see that gold bar down on the bottom? It's not on this one. Do you know why? Because they made a mistake when they made this book. They printed the wrong thing on there. So they covered it up. You ever scratch something out when you make a mistake? That's what they did. They scratched it out and they covered it up. So you know what? When I went to buy this book, it cost me half as much as this one. Did you know that? This one was half as much as this one. And the reason is because it had a mistake in it. But it's still a hymnal. It has the same songs in it, same exact number of pages, everything the same, except this has a gold bar on the front. Now, what do you think? Is that silly? Yeah, for a gold bar, they give you half the price and say it's no good. You know, sometimes people say that somebody's no good because they don't look the same as everybody else. You know, maybe, maybe they, they wear something different or their hair, hair color is different or they're taller or shorter or all kinds of things, right? And people actually can even make fun of you. Have, have you ever had anybody make fun of you? I don't like it. It hurts when they do that, right? So, so the thing is, is God has made us all the same. Is there anybody here who's not a people? We're all people. So God loves us all, all right, just like we are. So remember that. Sometimes little things that make us different don't make us different at all, all right? What are you thankful for this morning? Share, if you want to share something, raise your hand. My mom and dad. My family. Friends and family. My dad. My mom and dad. Friends and family. My fish named Charlie. My family. My friends and family. I love my family. Friends and family. My my fishies sold me a big for all the time, and, and I dance, and I sit on the tail. Give that kid a Bible, he can preach a sermon. <laughs> Up here, Pastor Terry. <laughs>
Benson family. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you give to us. We thank you for the good and joyful things, our friends, our family, our parents, our goldfish, and even the things we don't understand. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you guys can go out to church school. All the kids are welcome to go out to church school this morning. While they're heading out, I wanted to mention to you our mission moment. We take up an offering at different times of, of the year to help with things as an extra gift. And that's to give you opportunities to give to missions. We don't expect you to give to all of them. This particular one we have today is for the people who've been in the floods in the south of our country. And through our UMCOR, we're capable of going and helping them. In fact, our church is already down there helping people. So what they ask is that we take up an offering to help pay for what they're already doing. So if you wanna give to that, we do appreciate that. Did you notice that old song that we were talking about winding? Winding watches. Anybody remember winding watches? Holy cats, that's an old song. I'm thankful for the old and I'm thankful for the new and all the blessings God gives to us. And we're glad to have you with us this morning. Let's return our Thanksgiving with our morning tithes and our offerings.
on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, never once did we ever walk alone. Carried by your constant grace, held within your perfect peace, never once, no, we never walked alone. thanks and praise for this day and the opportunity to gather to worship you. What a glorious day you have given us, a day that you have made. Lord God, we lift up to you all of the gifts that you have so richly blessed us with. We ask that you would bless them and give us wisdom to know how to best use them for the furtherance of your kingdom. We desire that many would come to salvation in Jesus Christ and that many would grow in the faith that they have. Lord God, we ask especially for a blessing on this offering that is going to the work of helping the folks who are the victims of the floods in Louisiana. We just ask in Jesus' name that you would give wisdom too to the people who are helping them to rebuild their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Isn't it a beautiful day to be back? <laughs> I'm blessed that we're back to uh, the routine, you know? Wonderful summer is wonderful, and we kind of go here, and we kind of go there, and then September comes, and we come back to a, a normal schedule. The times and the seasons that God has given us are truly a blessing. We have to... Um, <clears throat> Remember some folks in our prayers with joys and concerns. I know you have many on your hearts as well. Um, these in particular we're lifting up today out loud. 
we have um, Tom and Jan Gertz, who are celebrating the birth of their second great-granddaughter, whose name is Skylar and was born in Oklahoma this week. God bless you and your family. Great-grandchildren are a wonder. Um, Anna Ward and Tucker Smith were married right here in this very church yesterday afternoon, and what a blessing um, to have them join together, and, and we pray for blessings on their family. We are in prayer for Ron Elman, whose brother Bruce um, passed away this week, so we're praying for the Elman family and for um, Ron also, who is suffering from some health concerns. There's a lot going on there, so we need to keep them in our prayers. And... Um, we want to lift up all of those who are serving in our armed forces. Um, in particular, we've had a request for prayer for Sarah Skelton, who is um, um, not with her family right now because of her, um, her service. And, of course, we take time to remember in our hearts what happened in our nation 15 years ago on the 11th of September in 2001. We want to... Keep in prayer all of those who serve, all of those first responders, everyone who has had their lives affected by that tragedy and by subsequent attacks and tragedies where lives have been lost and ways of life have been altered. With these concerns and those on your heart, we're going to turn to the Lord in prayer. And for those of you who are not here over the summer um, much or were kind of in and out, we have started something a little new during prayer. I come to the rail to kneel. I always do that. If you are feeling led of the Spirit to come forward and pray, either standing or kneeling at the rail, you are welcome to join me in that way um, or remain in your seats and turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to come before you, to be able to lift up the joys of our hearts and the deep sorrows of our souls, to put before you those things that we fear, asking for your comfort asking for your strength and your assurance as we follow you. Father, there are many who are sick and infirm this day. We pray for them and ask for you to touch them with your healing power, that they would make, be made whole from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet, be made whole in their spirits and their souls and their bodies. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for those who are grieving losses. We just ask, Lord God, that you would bring comfort into their lives, bring that peace that passes all understanding. We pray as we and others in their lives minister to them with a kind word or a touch or a meal or a visit, whatever it is, Lord, that you call us to do, we ask that you give us the words to say and just a sense of your presence in us and through us as we come to them. 
be a presence in their time of need. We pray, Lord God, with thanksgiving for all new life that has been born into our midst, into our community, into our world. We pray for families, Lord God, for those who have been joined together and bonded with love that you have provided for them. We ask that you would strengthen families, Lord God. Draw them close to you. Help them to know how important it is to stay tight with you, Lord, in whatever ways they can. Lord God, we pray for all people in this world who are the victims of natural disasters, floods and fires and drought, famine, and for those who are the victims of human violence. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for mercy. We pray that many would be drawn to you, Lord God. We pray that those who are sent to minister in those places to those people would have all that they need. able to help, to be able to show them who you are as they minister your love. Remind us to pray for them, Lord, to hold them up and to not let them be abandoned or forgotten. We pray for those in our military, Lord God. We pray also for those first responders who are so faithful to what you have called them to do, so faithful in the face of danger that some of us cannot even imagine. We ask, Father, for your strengthening power for them. We pray for wisdom for them. We pray for their families. Now, Lord God, as we continue in our worship, hearing your word spoken and hearing the message that you have given Pastor Tom for us this day, as we sing the songs, as we celebrate our life in Christ with you and with each other, we just ask that you would transform us. Make us into the people you have called us to be. Help us to step out bravely by your strength and power into those things you've led us to be. Bless Pastor Tom as he brings the word. Bless all of our worship. For that is why we came to worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word?
Good morning. Today's scripture lesson is from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint, me, uh, you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. So when I'm lying in my bed And the furniture starts creeping just laugh and say, hey, cut that out and get back to my sleeping Cause I know that God's biggest and he's watching all the while So when I get scared, I'll think of him and close my eyes and smile God is bigger than the they use at the dentist's office. Clowns or flowers or 
All kinds of weird things people are afraid of. Sometimes we're a little embarrassed by it because they're sort of kind of like, eh, not a big deal to everybody else, but they creep us out. Sometimes they're serious things. 9-11, 15 years ago. They said it changed the way, especially our young people, looked at life. They feel like there's something dangerous lurking behind every shadow, every corner. They watch everyone carefully. We've all had fears. We all grow up with some kind of fears. My generation grew up with the idea that we had to hide under our desks in school because it might drop an atomic bomb on us. Now, how was this desk going to do anything? I, I, I never did understand that. But some of these fears are real, and they're serious, and they affect our lives. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about facing our fears. Fears like we're afraid we'll be humiliated, or we won't be good enough, or we won't be appreciated or loved, or we'll not have enough. Our lives won't be meaningful or relevant. Or this morning we're going to talk about our fear to commit, which can lead to a failure to launch. Real problems, real fears. And we're going to look at the life of David in the Bible and what his life can teach us about facing our fears. First thing we need to recognize from this passage is that God chooses us. God has a purpose for us before we even realize it. It's what's called provenient grace, the grace that goes beforehand, that reaches out into our lives before we're even aware of it. In the book of Jeremiah, in the first chapter, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before you're even able to form the first word in life, God has already chosen what he thinks you should be, what he's designed you for, what he's giving you the unique gifts and abilities and attributes to make happen. God chooses us. We tend to think we pick God. We make a decision for God, but God chose us before we even realized there was the possibility. And God chooses us for all sorts of things. In this case, God is choosing to appoint to make David king over Israel. Kings are chosen by God. The prophets go and anoint them. Throughout the centuries, that's the way it worked. The church would say who was a king or a queen. Dictators would take the crown for themselves. Nowadays, we have democracy. I'm not sure which works better, to be honest with you, but I'm not going to argue that we go back to kings and queens. But God's hand is in the choosing of the leaders. Because God looks at us in a different way than we look at people. In verse 7, it actually ends by saying, but the Lord looks at the heart of a person. To see whether or not we have the faith, we have the understanding, we have the commitment to live into what God has decided to do with us. In this story, we have David. David is a member of a family where he had seven or eight Six or seven brothers. We're not really sure exactly how many. And a couple of sisters. His father's name was Jesse. And God came to the great prophet Samuel and said, I'm not happy with Saul, the king. I'm going to anoint a new king. So I want you to go down to Jesse's household and anoint the one that I choose. Samuel goes down to Jesse's household 
and all the boys come parading in front of him. First one looks handsome and strong and tall, and Samuel says, that's got to be the guy. And God says, no, not that one. And then the second one, and God says, no, not that one. And the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, right on down the line, and he runs out of sons. And Samuel says to Jesse, is this all your sons? Because God's not picking any of these. And he says, well, there is. David, the little one, he's out watching sheep. Samuel says, tell him to come here. We're not going to finish this thing until he comes. And so Samuel is waiting for David and waiting for David. And David finally comes in from the field, and God says, that's the one, anoint him. And this is how David was anointed to be king of Israel. God chose. You see, God chooses us. And then we have to choose how we will respond. That's the choice we have. We can respond by making a commitment to God, or we can respond in fear. And fear often keeps us from our life mission. It often keeps us from what God wants for our lives. We're afraid. We're afraid of a lot of things. And in some ways, fear keeps us from what we need to do because we're afraid God really isn't God. God really can't do what God says he can do. Samuel was afraid to go down and anoint David because he was afraid of what Saul the king would do. He was more afraid of the king at that moment than he was of God who he was talking to. How many of us, if God was talking right to us, would say, yeah, but you know, there's a king out there, I'm not sure. Maybe more of us than we think. When Samuel showed up, they were afraid of Samuel. We're afraid of a lot of things. Because we don't want to get hurt. We, we, we see things happen, and we know people can get hurt. And so we're afraid. Some people are afraid of... <laughs> because lightning's scary lights up the sky and shakes everything. You got all this noise. Anybody out in the thunderstorm last night? Yeah. We're driving down the road in our car and boom, the whole world's exploding around us. You know, it can be a little creepy, right? So we, we get afraid because we forget who controls the lightning, who controls the kings, who controls this world. Who do we fear? What do we fear? Are we afraid of God or someone else? David was a shepherd boy. He lived out taking care of the sheep out in the fields. And while he was out in the fields, he, he didn't have much to do. You know, sheep just kind of like walk around eating grass. So he would make up songs, all kinds of songs. You may not know it, but David was a huge songwriter. There's like dozens and dozens of them in the Bible. We call them psalms, but those are psalms. And he'd sit out in the field, and I picture him writing the one psalm where he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He begs me to walk in the paths of righteousness for, for his sake. Even, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for God is with me. His rod, his staff, they comfort me. 
He prepares a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. My, my cup runneth over. He anoints my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a powerful song. We still say it and sing it today. It, it creeps into our lives because of its power. Why? Because David had the time to listen, to hear God. And, and you know, he didn't put it on YouTube right away, so it, it wasn't like he became an overnight hit. You know? In fact, there was no America's Got Talent. He couldn't, like, shoot to the top right away. So he sang to the sheep, and he sang to God. And he learned to get to know God, who God with is, what God was. And because he knew him, he wasn't afraid. I will not fear, he wrote. Do we hear God? Do we even take the time to listen? Do we ever go beside the still waters? Do we ever... Lay down and just listen to the voice of God. And if we hear it, do we make the commitment or do we still live in fear? There's a lot of fears we live in. And one of them is the fear that we won't measure up. And you know why we feel we won't measure up? Because other people tell us we don't. It's hard. It's hard to see what God wants when other people are saying all sorts of other things. When Eliab came by, Eliab came by, Samuel thought, this must be the right one. And the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. We judge by what we see, don't we? And if we've been, if we've been picked last for the baseball team, we will never believe we can play baseball. If somebody has told us that we are, aren't very smart, we believe it. When people tell us we're not attractive, we assume nobody would like looking at us. It destroys our whole sense of who we are because we listen to what the voices say all around us. Most of us have experienced that at some point in time. When I was a teenager, I was lanky and geeky I was awkward. I didn't do very many physical things right. I stumbled over my own feet. I had a weird haircut because, you know, my mom would cut my hair with those, with those you know, those trimmer things? It was fast. It was cheap. It was easy. And she had four of us boys, and it all, all went like this. And we were done. Didn't matter what it looked like. She didn't care. We got the clothes we got because that's what my parents could afford. And we wore those big black, geeky glasses, because that's what you could get for the cheapest ones on the rack. I always thought I wasn't very smart. I didn't think I was very attractive in any way. I really hid from everybody. And, you know, when people say that to us, we start believing it. In this passage, God chose the one that the rest of them didn't even think mattered enough to be invited to the party. You think about that. David wasn't even good enough to come to the party. And there's some reasons for that. Let's look at a couple of David's own songs. 
And one he says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We're not sure exactly what this means. But there's a lot of suspicions and beliefs, especially in the Jewish tradition, that David was somehow believed to have been conceived in sin. We're not exactly sure how. Somebody had an affair or what. All we know is people believed it about him. In Psalm 69, it said his family treated him awful. He said, I'm a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. And the word foreigner can also mean the same word we wouldn't use in church for an illegitimate child. They would accuse him of stealing. They, they, they would play tricks on David and give him crummy food. David was considered by the family not worthy to even be at the party. He should be happy that we even give him the opportunity to work for us. We picture David as a strong, handsome, powerful, successful guy. And that's what he became. In fact, this passage says David was good-looking. But the problem was people around him didn't say that. And God picked the one rejected by others. Sometimes we have to reject the rejection. We have to forget what other people say about us and remember that if God chose us, that we're good. You know when God made you, it says in the book of Genesis, he looked at you and said you were very good. He said you're awesome, you're incredible, exactly what I wanted. I made this person exactly how I wanted them to be and I think they're fantastic. Only reason we feel bad about ourselves is largely because we listen to what other people say. As if what the Lord of the universe says matters less than what some kid in school said about us years ago. Reject the rejection. Sometimes it's what we have to do. And not listen to what the words around us say, but listen to what the God inside us tells us. Rejection hurts. And sometimes we are rejected. We're even humiliated. And believe it or not, sometimes the rejection actually comes from God. I want you to think about those other brothers. They were strong. They were successful. They were healthy people. And God's going to anoint one of them to be a king. And all of them walk by, and it says that they were rejected. Wow, they were rejected, and God chose someone they didn't even think mattered. Hurts. What would you feel like? Sometimes God rejects people. God turns them down for what they want to do for God and chooses someone else. And it hurts. See, one of the reasons why we have fears is because we've been hurt before and we don't want it to happen again. Nobody likes to get hurt. And when you've experienced hurt and you've experienced the pain and fear that comes with it, you don't want it to happen again. Like this guy here. All I say is the truth is it can't get any worse. Joe! 
Joe? Yeah. Hey, hey Joe! Yeah. yeah. It just got worse, bud. What? What do you mean, what? You saw the lightning. You know what happened. Joe, what are the chances you get hit by lightning again? Hey, hey, Gus, what were the odds the first time I got hit? And what about the odds the second time I got hit? <laughs> hey, 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 Joe. If I could fix the car, I'd do it myself. Besides, that's the worst place you could be is behind a tree. Hey, hey, Gus, it hurts to get hit by lightning, you know. You don't know what it feels like. Hey, Joe. Uh, look. Hey. Hit me! Yeah. Hit me! <laughs> see, <laughs> right see what I mean? See what I mean? Hey, here I am! Get, get a free shot! Take it! Right here, hit me! <laughs> hey, see, what, see what I mean, Joe? <laughs> it's so silly. Here, here, here. Let's go fix the car. See? hit by lightning once. We're driving down the road and it hit our car. Knocked my hands off the wheel. Scared the bejeebies out of me. I had my family in the car and it's like, bam! Everything went nuts. But you know what? I still drive cars. Last night we were out in a lightning storm in the middle of it and I wasn't going, ah! Sometimes we have to figure out what the hurt is for and how to face it down. I wouldn't recommend carrying a ratchet around in a lightning storm. We need to learn from it. And the truth is, sometimes we need to reject the rejection, but sometimes we need to embrace it so that we can understand the rejection, so we can face our fears. We're called to do what God wants. Not what we want. God doesn't exist to make us happy. We exist to serve and make God pleased. John chapter 15, Jesus said to his disciples, You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. People think that means that they can ask for a portion. Get it? It means if you want to do what God wants, he'll make sure it works. But you've got to play God's game, not your game. You see, we don't volunteer for God's work. We agree to the assignment. God has a plan for each of us. But all too often, we don't want our plan. We want somebody else's plan. We want somebody else's family. Maybe God gave you these kids on purpose because you're the right one for them. We want somebody else's parents, somebody else's spouse, somebody else's life, somebody else's job, somebody else's mission, somebody else's way of looking. But God made you to do what he wanted you to do, not what he wanted somebody else to do. 
He already has them doing it. You follow? We don't want to play God's game. And because of that, we find ourselves in brokenness. God himself rejects us. Just like he did in this passage. He rejected King Saul. Because King Saul wouldn't do things God's way. He couldn't wait for God. And so God rejected him. Anybody here ever play Monopoly? You play Monopoly and the whole idea is that you're supposed to get as many properties and as much money and have more than everybody else, right? But what if God told you that the rules of Monopoly is really that everybody passes go? That would really bother you if you own Boardwalk and Park Place, right? You're like, wait a minute, I own all the properties. doesn't matter. If you pass go, you win. Everybody who passes go wins. You'd be like, oh, this isn't fair. He only owns one of those foolish little, little utility things or a railroad. I mean, who cares? Come on, seriously, I got the big stuff. And God is saying, no, you don't understand. In my game, everybody who passes go wins. It doesn't matter if they're a dog or a hat or what they are. If they pass go, they win. Because you see, here's the thing that's hard for us to understand. In God's world, he wants everybody to pass go. And so his purpose is that we will all get everybody past go and out of glory. You see? We think it's somehow about winning the game as we're going around the board. When God says it's really just about whether you pass go. That just doesn't seem right to us. But see, that's because we're trying to play by our rules. We ask our kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's not the right question. The question is, what do you want to think God wants you to be when you grow up? That's the right question. What do you think God wants you to do? We all have to live a life. We all have to, have to earn a living and all this kind of stuff. But you see, God only expects us to accomplish what he designed and not what other people do. We don't like that, so we change the rules. Saul got in trouble because he couldn't wait for God. He couldn't wait for God. In this passage, we, we read that Samuel had to wait for David. And I don't know if you noticed what he said to him. He said to everybody, we will not sit down until he gets here. Seriously, the dude is way out in the field. He's dirty, he's a mess. It's going to take a while to get out there and get back. And we said, no, you are going to stand up until he gets back here. Wow. You people argue and complain when you got to stand up for 10 minutes and worship. Imagine you got to wait till the guy comes back in from the field. But they had to wait patiently, doing what God asked for. Otherwise, they'd find that they would be rejected, not just by the people, but by God himself. And, and, and if you're accepted by the people and rejected by God, you've lost. If you win all the properties in Monopoly and you don't pass go to God, you've lost. You've lost. And it hurts to lose, too. It says in the, in the passages that follow, Saul became empty. The Holy Spirit had left him. And instead, he had an evil spirit. Actually, God gave it to him. A tormenting, terrible feeling of emptiness and brokenness about going the wrong way. 
If he would have turned back to God, I believe God would have removed that, but he didn't. He stayed in rebellion. And the only time he felt good is when David came and played music for him, believe it or not. So David showed up with his little lyre, which is like an old-time guitar, sang songs, and it soothed Saul's soul. Because religion can soothe our soul. The idea of God can make us feel better. Even people who don't believe much in God or, or don't, don't really have much of a commitment to God, when they come to church, they go out saying, I feel better. But if we want it to last, we have to actually change who and what we are, repent of who we've been. We're afraid. We're afraid. But see, it's not because God has stopped being faithful. Kelly sang that song, didn't she, today? It's not because God stopped giving his promise. God stopped giving his purpose for you. It's because we've stopped being faithful to God. Not following what he wants. I don't know. We're afraid. What if we fail? What if we fail? In verse 5, it says, everyone in this place was consecrated. Everybody was consecrated. David was anointed to be king, but everybody was consecrated. Everybody, all the brothers, all the people there were consecrated for what God wanted them to do. Every one of you has something you can do. You cannot fail with God. God has already decided that you will be blessed if you do what he wants you to do. We're gifted to succeed at what we're called to do. In Proverbs chapter 19, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart. Well, don't we have plans? We probably have plans for today. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. What God wants us to do will succeed, no matter what, because God makes a way. God makes a way when it seems like there isn't any way. God makes a way when it seems like it's impossible. God makes a way when we don't understand it. God makes a way. Samuel says, how can I go down and anoint him? I might get killed by Saul. And God said, I'll take care of it. Just make a sacrifice to me and don't worry about it. I can take care of this. We need to learn to trust that God has something particular for us. And it doesn't really matter what everybody thinks about what we're doing, so long as we're doing what God wants us to do. Don't worry about what other people are doing. That's what God called them to do. Do what God made you to do. And you will find amazing blessings. It said David had the Holy Spirit poured into him in a powerful way. God will not only give you your ability, which is our problem. See, we're trusting in our ability, our attitudes, our, our possibilities, our intellect, our strength. God wants to give us something way beyond that. Abilities we didn't even know we had through the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. You know this verse. Say it with me. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That's the key. Not your purpose, not your idea, not your plan, not your design. God's purpose will always work. God will make it work. If God chooses us, we can't fail. So we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid to make a commitment to God. We shouldn't fail to launch for God. We shouldn't be afraid of what God wants to do with us. But it begins by knowing and understanding God and listening to God. And to do that, we have to spend time with him. And we'll find we won't be afraid. 
It's true even about lightning. I had two dogs. Now, you know what happens usually when there's thunder and lightning with dogs? They run in the bathtub, they hide under, under beds, all kinds of stuff. Not my dogs. I had two dogs. They were part husky and part wolf, and they lived outside. When the lightning and thunder started, they ran into the middle of the yard to watch the show. Hey, cool, look at that one. Oh, hey, pretty neat. Seriously, two dogs sitting in the middle of the yard watching the thunderstorm like nothing you would ever see. Why? Because we've trained our dogs to be wusses. We've trained our dogs that they have to hide in the house. These dogs lived out there. They knew God. They knew what lightning was. They knew what thunder was. They knew it was cool, fun. This is a show for us. And they never actually got hit. God wants us to know him, to live with him, so that we won't be afraid. God said to Abraham, don't be afraid to leave your house and your home and go to a place where nobody knows you. I'll be with you. God said to Hagar, don't be afraid to be a single mother. I will take care of you and make a great nation out of you. God said to Joshua, don't be worried about those big armies out there and what looks so powerful. I'll make the walls fall down on their own. God said to Elijah, I know you feel alone, like there's nobody in the world that cares, but I care, and there's others that do too. God told Daniel, don't be afraid of the fire or the lion's den. I can take all of those things out. God said to Mary, don't be afraid to have the child that will be born to you, because it's the child of God. God said to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, even if people make all sorts of stories about you. God told the disciples, the apostles, don't be afraid. God told Peter, you can walk on water. And the only time Peter started to sink is when he was afraid of the winds and waves. Jesus took him by the hand and said, don't be afraid. We'll walk on the water. God will make a way. Even if it doesn't appear to be there, he'll make it happen.
Sometimes when we think of sin, we think it's that thing we do, you know, that action or that mistake we made along the line, and that is a sin. But that's still playing monopoly, like each board piece on the board in each spot is the point of the game. The point of the game is to get past go. And the way we get past go is by having our lives aligned with God. 
When people say, I've got to give my life to Jesus, it means give your life to Jesus, you follow? Give your heart to God. Give your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Give all of you to what God wants to do, and then we get past go. And the things that happen along the way in the game, they're really kind of incidental. Because we just need to make sure that we're doing what God wants so we can get to where God wants us to be and the glory that God's promised. So let's, let's turn our prayer of confession over to God in a different way this morning. Dear God in heaven, I have sinned. But not just the things I do. The things I follow. The things I chase. What I worry about. What I'm afraid of. Forgive me, God. Lead me to do what you want me to do. Mold my life into what you want it to be. That I might be a blessing before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today you start new. Brand new. Beginning. Today. What you did before doesn't matter. It's like we're starting all over in the game of Monopoly. Right? We're at go. Let's get past go. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Everyone is welcome to come. We love God, repent of our sin, and seek to live in peace as disciples of Jesus Christ. We are welcome at the table to receive into ourselves Jesus Christ and all that God has for us. Come to the table this morning. Even if it's the first time you've ever been here, you are welcome at the table. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God. 
and spoke to us through your prophets. So with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you So, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together with the confidence of the children of God the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward?
those who seek after him to the table of the Lord, whether you're a member of our church or even if this is your first time here, you want God to be your God, you're welcome to come and join us at his table. You're welcome to come to the rail for prayers for healing and anointing or to light a candle as a prayer. Come and join us for the Lord.
I love when the babies sing for us, don't you? you know? <laughs> sing right along with the music. It's great. It's delightful. Don't be, don't be embarrassed, Mom. We were all enjoying it. So I'm going to invite you to stand and sing with me as we're going to sing together. Oh, Jesus, I have promised. God created you to live it. Remember, God thinks you're awesome. God has already created you with every ability to do the things you were meant to do. Live into the wonders and the blessings that God intends for you. And get your life passed up. May the Lord bless you and be with you. Just stand up. 